This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a great, great opportunity now you have and I have to hear the word of the Lord and to uh, let our lives be impacted by his word. Now, if I was the devil that was assigned to you, and you all have someone that's been assigned to you, by the way, <clears throat> I would say, let them sing their lungs out. But when it comes time for the word of God, distract and don't let them hear because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So with that in mind, you keep that in mind, okay? Let your minds be drawn to the word of God for the next few moments. And uh, as we begin to pray, we're going to pray. I don't think we prayed for uh, Brother Hurst today. If we did, I'm going to pray for him again. And did we pray for my friend, Brother Chesser? Okay, and we're going to pray for the Bradshaw family, who's been very sick in uh, Troy, Illinois. And anybody else? Uh, my friend, friend uh, Gene Foster, his wife, Julia. They've been sick in Wichita. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray for our youth week that starts this week and the revival services that start Wednesday night. So don't forget, Wednesday night at 7, we begin whole church revival, and I, I hope that you can make it. It's going to be awesome. Brother Trey Cornwell will be speaking for us on Wednesday night. It's going to be great. Father in heaven, we come before you today knowing that you are the omnipotent, omniscient God. Lord, that you know all things. There's nothing that you cannot do that you're mighty and powerful and strong. I pray today for little Bella Stoops today, Lord, that you would heal her. Touch her right now, God, whatever it is, whether it be some kind of an infection, Lord, in her gum. I pray that you would touch her and heal her. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, again for my friend, Brother Hurst, that you would heal him. I pray for my friend, Brother Ed Chesser, that you would touch him and heal him. I pray for my friends, the Bradshaws, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch them. I pray for my friend, Brother Gene Foster and his wife, Julia, that you would heal them, Lord God. And Lord, we're thankful for your goodness. I pray for all these who are with us online today and for those who are in the building with us today. And I thank you for your many, many blessings. Father, I ask that the amazing anointing of God would not only touch me, but it would also touch all those under the sound of my voice. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there would be something that would happen in the hearts and minds of people as they respond to the presence of God. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. And I pray, O God, in the name of Jesus, not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, Lord, we pray today in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor on this day, February the 14th, 2021. Praise God. Thank you to those who helped us yesterday with the uh, honoring Lucille. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and those who came. I feel like uh, the Lord was talking to several people's hearts 
And I had a chance to uh, talk with several of them, and I believe that we'll see some good things happen as a result of that. Praise God. Welcome today. I have a word for you. I'm going to give you a, 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 something that most people that know me know. I despise sermons. Isn't that crazy? I'm a preacher and I despise sermons. Because sermons never help anybody. It's just man's thoughts about something, and it may be good, but it's just a sermon. But if somebody will bring me a word from the Lord, I can't tell you how much I love that. I love to hear a word from the Lord that I, that I know and I can feel the witness of the Spirit that God is speaking to me. And so I have set my heart and my mind today to bring you a word from the Lord, and I believe God gave it to me. So I'm going to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6 and verse 8. And thank you so very much for giving your attention to the word for a few moments. Hallelujah. I know some of you are ADD, and you have a hard time staying focused for more than a minute or two, but um, I pray that God will help you with that. Hallelujah. I might share that with you at times. I'm not sure. I find myself often, you know, patting my foot, moving around a little bit. When I'm standing, I'm usually going like this, so uh, whatever. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha. The prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night encompassed the city about. And for a few moments, with the help of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and with your blessing, I'm going to speak to you on this subject. They came by night. Would you lift your hands and would you praise the Lord with me? Lord, I worship you. I praise you, God. 
I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, everything that would try to keep the ears of your people from hearing, I ask, oh God, that you would take it away. Every distraction, oh God, that would keep somebody from hearing this word that comes from you, I pray in the name of Jesus, remove the distraction. I pray, oh God, that anybody that's under the sound of my voice would feel the witness of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, Father, and that your will would be accomplished. Now hide me in the shadow of the cross and hide me under your precious blood and let you only be seen. I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. What I'm about to share with you is relevant to what has been going on in your world and in your life. I'm not here today just to talk about an ancient battle between a king of Syria and Israel. But I'm here today to bring you something that I believe God is speaking to my heart. You know that the Bible is a living book. It's not just a book of old tales or a book of, of old stories, but it's a living book, and it will shed light today, if you allow, allow it to, it will shed light on your present situation. The king of Syria warred against Israel. The name Israel, translated from Hebrew, means the prince that prevails with God. So let me give you a little insight, if the Lord would help me to, into a common story that has a very uncommon meaning for us today. The king of Syria warred against Israel, warred against the prince that prevails with God. Now, the name Syria is also important to understand in this message today. For the name Syria is derived from the ancient Greek, S-E-I-R-I-O-S, Syrios, which, by the way, is also where we get our name Sirius, as in Sirius Radio. And it means sunbright, glowing burning, blazing, and shining. So, get the picture. The king of sun bright, glowing, burning, blazing, shining, warred against the prince that prevails with God. Anybody with me so far? And I want you to notice that it was a war. And though I, I do not often talk about it because the thing that the devil hates more than anything is to be ignored. Yet sometimes I have to speak up because if I don't, you will forget. And that can be fatal. We are at war, ladies and gentlemen. And the stakes have never been higher. So 
So the king of sunbright, glowing, burning, blazing, shining, warred against the prince that prevails with God. Now, don't be deceived by the king of sunbright, glowing, burning, blazing, shining, which is what the name Syria means. Don't be deceived by him. Know that this deceiver is warring against Israel, against the prince that prevails with God. And it is his self-definition that defines himself as the king of sunbright. He seems to glow and blaze and shine, and he seems so right. He seems so good. And he is deceptive to the max and extremely deadly. Since we are at spiritual warfare, it is important that you remember that. Your enemy who disguises himself as an angel of light is never going to come to you with a pitchfork and horns and say, this is the devil, I want you to do such and such, because he knows that you would say, you know where you can go, devil. I started out living for God, I'm going to stay living for God. So he discarded that long time ago, and he comes as the king of sunbright, glowing, burning, blazing, and shining. And you need to understand that he is warring against you. And Paul, remember many, many, many years later would say, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And the king of Syria warred against Israel. There's an old hymn of the church that we used to sing years ago, and we don't sing it very much anymore. It's kind of one of those old ones that folks don't sing too much anymore. But it said, if you're in the battle for the Lord and right, keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, surely you must fight. Keep on the firing line. There are many dangers that we all must face if we die of fighting. It is no disgrace. Cowards in the service will not find a place. So keep on the firing line. And then it said, oh, you must fight. Be brave against all evil. Never run nor even lag behind. If you would win for God in the right, just keep on the firing line. And so... I go into this story knowing that God has something he's sharing with us that will shed light on how we can successfully war against the king of Syria, the king that comes with a deceiving bright light. The king of deception took counsel with his servants. And he said, in such and such a place, I'm going to set an ambush. For the people of covenant. We will mobilize our forces. And he draws down his map. And he says. Here at this point. We will set a trap. And he names the place. And only his closest confidants. Here. 
this inside intelligence. But immediately, Elisha warned the king of Israel, don't go near that spot right there. For the Syrians are planning to mobilize their troops there. Then the king of Israel sent to the place of which Elisha told and warned him. And the Bible said, and thus he protected and saved himself himself repeatedly. Not once or twice, but many times he saved himself. If you have a man of God in your life, it's very important that you give permission for him to speak into your life. If you have a man of God in your life that you permit to bring a word from the Lord. If you're willing to change your plans when the man of God brings you a word from God then you will thankfully share the testimony with the king of Israel that says, and the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. I remember years ago, I've I've been a guy that's been blessed to be around lots of men of God in my life. And uh, Charlie Mahaney, he was kind of an unusual man of God. But nevertheless, he had anointing, and he, and he was greatly used of God. And he was a very smart man. Charlie Mahaney hid it behind uh, some slang-type way of talking that he used, that I guess he thought was really funny, and, and folks did find it funny. But behind that, was a very sharp mind. And one day he decided that, well, bless God, since uh, the apostolic truth needed an apologist, needed someone who would defend it, that he would become a, what had become very popular back then, he would become a professional debater. Now, I've listened to some great debates, by the way, when I was in Bible school many years ago, and I enjoyed listening to to them. So he was going to become a debater, and he was going to debate in a polemic fashion on a stage with set rules, and he would debate the oneness of God. He would debate the name of Jesus, and he would do it from a debating standpoint. And so he thought, well, I think I'll just check with Brother Barnes, see what Brother Barnes thinks about me uh, debating in this fashion. So he said, I think I'll call him up. Of course, if I was blessed to, to be able to be around a little bit around Brother Barnes, not a lot. But he called up Brother Barnes on the phone and dialed the number, and the phone began to ring on Brother Barnes' end of the line, and Brother Barnes picked up the phone. He didn't say hello. He didn't say, who is this? He picked up the phone and he said, stay away from those debates, son. 
There is nothing that can take the place of the inspiration of God and the ministry that God has placed to, to deliver you and to save you and to help you. And it is no different today in 2021 than it was in that day. I'm thankful for the many times the Word of God has saved me. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the house of God and we were dealing with something and I walked in and the preacher had no knowledge whatsoever of what we were dealing with and boy, he just nailed it. Boom. I have watched people and, and I've had folks come to me after a service and say, Pastor, had you heard about and I said, no, no, sir. Well, today you talked about the very thing we were talking about on the way to church in the car. I, I just have to tell you that God has set a ministry in your life and a ministry of the word, a ministry of the spirit, an anointing that can save your bacon. I don't know how many times, but I know mine's been saved several times. And so the king of Israel was saved not once nor twice. Sure enough, the word of the Lord saved Israel from disaster several times. And I am preaching to you today that the word of the Lord still saves from disaster. You have to understand that we are living in a time of intense warfare. This is not just fun and games, although I love to live for God. Yet I also understand that the stakes are very high. Just a few days ago, I just pulled up a, a sheaf of baptismal uh, receipts records. And I begin to go through a, a stack about that thick of people that have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Some have already gone to their eternal reward. Some have gotten baptized and lived for God for a, a while. And then today, I don't know where they are. And there are those who are even now sitting in front of me that I have your baptismal record and I know that you were baptized in the proper method and manner. And there is a proper method and manner. I just ran across Brother Chris's baptismal certificate. I baptized him on February the 9th, 1986. And we're on a journey. We're, we're going from here to home. There are landmines along the way. There are not only landmines, there are minefields. And we need the good word of the Lord, and we need the anointing of God, and, and we need a man of God in our life. And I don't bow my head to tell you that it's important, because if you're going to make heaven your home, you're going to need all those things.
Your future has more to do with whether you will hearken than just about anything else. And I'm going to tell you right now, God is speaking. Are you listening? This message today is not to single out one person. It's to single out every person. God is speaking. Are you listening? There are great kings that testify from the pages of God's word. Kings that God set up in a position not, and then recorded it, not just because they were important people, but for a testimony for us. King Saul. He had a man of God in his life, Samuel. King Rehoboam had the counselors that counseled his father. And the list goes on. Who should I listen to? My peers or my pastor? Now, if you get up and walk out the door right now, everybody's going to know, so you might as well just sit right there. <laughs> I am preaching not for me. I'll be quite honest with you. There's a lot of jobs that would be a lot easier. I didn't ask for this job. And sometimes, quite honestly, I don't even want this job. Because I walk among souls. I can't do like the doctor and bury my mistakes. I'm going to face every one of you at the judgment bar. And I intend to do it, be able to look you in the eye and say, I did not shun to preach to him or to her the whole counsel of God. As much as I love you, I will not go to hell for you. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to tell you what God has showed me. And, and if I can, if you allow me to, I will point out when the devil set the trap. And I'll say, there's a trap right there. And I will try to make it as distinct as I can, rather than nebulous and vague, so that anybody could wonder, well, what does he mean by that? I, I've dealt with people who, who talk in the nebulous and they talk in the vague and, and it made me uncomfortable because I didn't know what they were trying to tell me. It seemed like they expected me to read between the lines. That's not me. Who should I listen to? Who should I trust? And I have to tell you something. The difference between safety and disaster is hearing and recognizing and obeying the word of God. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 11 says, The king of Syria's heart was sore troubled. I know that things can become difficult at times. I know that some of you have gone through some difficult times and you've wondered, what in the world should I do now? But I want you to notice that the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled. And, and, I, and I want you to understand, I feel in the Holy Ghost, that 
right now, the heart of the king of sunbright, glowing, burning, blazing, shining deception is sore troubled. Or as another translation translates this verse, is enraged. And I get it. You think that you've got it tough, some of you, and, and some of you do. You think that this is a tough thing, but I have to tell you that the enemy who hates you is enraged. I have never seen so much anger in a nation as I'm seeing right now. I'm never seeing, I've never seen so much frustration and depression across our nation as I'm seeing right now. And I get it. I understand it. Because the Holy Ghost speaks to me and says, The devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. He's putting on a full court press now. And he's bringing his A-team. And they're trying to push down the court. They're hoping that the authority won't see that shove, that elbow. I have never seen the devil so enraged. And I know why. He knows his time is up. He knows that it's all coming to a conclusion. He knows that he is going to pay the ultimate price. And now, ladies and gentlemen, hear me when I tell you this. He's using every dirty trick he's ever used. He's lying. Listen to me. He's deceiving. He's dividing. He's distracting. He's destroying. He's depressing. He's distrusting. He's fogging. He's confusing. He's bewildering. He's fear-mongering. He's offending. And he's tempting. And he's using these tools like never before. Every one of those tools, the Holy Ghost impressed me to write those down. There are people listening to the sound of my voice right now that are the, are the object of a full court press. And it may be a lying spirit, a deceiving spirit that's trying to cover your eyes, a dividing spirit that makes you feel alone and nobody understands, a distracting spirit that would get your attention off of the most important thing that there ever could be, which is to live for God and help everybody else live for God. A destroying spirit, a depressing spirit that causes people just to feel depressed from the time they get up till the time they go to bed. A distrusting spirit that says don't trust anybody. A fogging and confusing and bewildering spirit that causes people not to understand and to feel just confused. What do I do next? Or a fear-mongering spirit. I am naming tools that the enemy is using right now against people who are under the sound of my voice. Another tool he uses is offense. 
He wants you to be offended at somebody in your congregation. He wants you to be offended, most likely, at the pastor. Now, I don't know anybody right now that's here today that's offended at me. If you are, you're covering your tracks really well. But I am preaching because I feel in the Holy Ghost that the enemy is trying to use those tools against somebody under the sound of my voice. He would love for you to be offended so he could give you a reason to walk away. I have never seen anybody who lost out with God that did not have a good reason. They've always had a reason when they stepped out of God's will. Always had a reason and always the same consequence. And it saddens my heart. And I think in those times, God, couldn't there, isn't there something else you could have me do? I hate it when I see somebody about to bite the dust. And I'm thinking, God, would you just send forth your spirit? Would you send forth your anointing? Would you let the spirit of God just come down in a mighty way and, and touch that person and make them to understand that what they're seeing is not what they're seeing and what they're feeling is not really what's going on, but there's a warfare going on. Even while I speak, I feel the anointing of God coming down upon me now and the witness of the Spirit. And I've felt this for a while. And here I am today. Others will find another tool that Satan now is using. The tool of temptation. To get you to walk out of your holy life. To get you to walk out of your holy standing. To get you to walk out of your sanctified position so he can mow you down. Someone winks with an eye. Someone says, come on over here. Husband's not home. And it's a tool of temptation that the enemy wants to use to get you to fall away from God. If I told you right now that your marriage is dependent upon you doing the will of God, would you understand that? If I came today with a personal motive, then God help me. But I come here today as a man of God with a heart that wants to see you make it. I want to see you excel beyond your wildest dreams. And you have an enemy that has centered the crosshairs on you and upon your family. And you need to take evasive action right now. I don't care what it costs you. I don't care what you have to do. It doesn't matter because I see the handwriting of God and I'm calling to somebody today and I'm saying, come on, in the name of Jesus, let's go forward. In the name of Jesus, let's do the will of God. The antidote for the venomous bite of the serpent is you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Surely, you can hold on a little bit longer. 
surely you can hold on a little bit longer. You've gone, you've done, you've served, you've lived for God. Surely you can hold on a little bit longer. You're on the home stretch. It's so important now that you kick, that you give of yourself, that you sacrifice whatever needs to be sacrificed to get you where you need to be. There is nothing like Holy Ghost anointed truth. You know, the, one of the frustrating things for me is if you knew how close you were to a giant victory, you'd have no trouble listening to the men of God. If you knew how close you were to seeing some prayers answered and some wonderful things happening, you would say, you know, I think I, I've lived for God these amount of years. I think I, I think I can hold the course a little bit longer. If you knew the plans that God has for you, I promise you, you'd say, thank God. Oh, Elisha, speak to me. Tell me where the trap is. Let me boycott it. Let me go around it. Let me live to fight another day. I've known of pilots who were in a hurry to get somewhere. And the weather was beyond their ability, but they didn't want to admit it to their passengers. And off they went into the wild blue yonder, only to become a, a tangled web of bodies and aluminum. Just recently, we all heard the story of Kobe Bryant. And the helicopter crashed. And they studied it and they said that helicopter pilot, he died, but he's responsible. He continued flying into situations that he knew was beyond his ability. He knew it was beyond his ability, but he continued to fly into it until everybody on board was killed, including himself. And that's the way sin always works. It doesn't just hurt the person who does it. It hurts the people that are closest to him. If you could only understand why Satan is so enraged, why he's fighting so hard, and why he's naming himself the king of sunlight, and this is all wonderful and good and beautiful. If you could only hear the king of sunlight blazing, shining, whimpering to his underlings, there's a prophet in Israel. He's telling the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. I'm going to tell you something. If you are willing and you pray that God will give you a preacher a word that is so specific to your situation that you will know without a shadow of a doubt what God's answer is, 
God will bring you specific words, but you have to be willing to pray, God, give me a specific word. You need to pray that God would give you an answer and that it would not be something that is vague and nebulous. Now you're dealing with too precious a cargo. You don't keep motoring into that cloud. You turn around and you get out of that cloud. I don't care if the passengers go, hey, Dad, what's wrong? You don't know how to fly in a cloud? I'm just going to say, you know, you're absolutely correct. I don't. I want God to have his way. And he said, go and spy where he is, the king of Syria said. For that man of God is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore, he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night, and they compassed the city about. You hear me today. I know this is a different kind of a message, but nevertheless, I know it's from God. The king of Syria, the king of sunbright, glowing, burning, blazing, shining, deception said, go get that preacher and get rid of his influence. Because what I'm going to do next... There's no place for his influence. You go take out that preacher. Go take him out because he's messing with my plans. He speaks the truth in love. He's given messages that are messing with the traps I have set. And a great host was sent. I'm reading from the word of God. A great host was sent to take out the men of God. A great army with many chariots. I'm just going to tell you, I felt that in the last several weeks. I've battled with that the last several weeks, the last several months. I can tell you that I've battled that, and I do covet your prayers as your pastor. I covet your prayers. And as a leader in the state, I covet your prayers because I knew that the Lord was talking to me. The enemy sent a great army with many chariots. And just like the deceiver has done many times throughout history, the Bible says that those armies came by night encompassed, surrounded the man of God. The enemy will always come at night. He will always come when you're at your weakest. He will always come when you're battling with something or maybe a family member you're concerned about or there's been something going on and, and that's when the enemy always comes. He always tries to come by night. He came by night then. He comes by night now. New Testament. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother John, with the sword. How could that happen? 
And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Ladies and gentlemen, if it had not been for the church that said, whoop, we're stopping everything we're doing right now. We're going to start praying and fasting. We're going to seek God. And because of a concerned church, because of loving people, Peter continues to go on. There are traps the enemy sets. I don't, I don't care how strong you think you are. You need the framework of the church. You need uh, the ministry that God has placed in your life. You need to hear the word of God. And you need to understand that now the weapon of choice, perhaps above all the other weapons, is deception and delusion. But the church began to pray without ceasing. And here's what I want to tell you about that. And behold, the angel of the Lord came. I'm not talking about in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Because of the prayers of the saints, they said, You know what? We're going to pray without ceasing. And because they prayed, the Lord sent an angel, and his chains fell off his hands. The enemy likes to come by night. He loves darkness. He comes when you're at your weakest, when your mind is troubled, when your heart is broken, or worry is trying to infiltrate your faith. That's when he comes. They came by night and they compassed the city, and that's how he works. He doesn't come from one direction, he compasses, he surrounds. You can always know one of the telltale cards of a satanic attack is he never just comes from one direction. When you are the object of a satanic attack, there will be several things that go wrong simultaneously. He always encompasses. He always tries to bring problem from this direction and from this direction and from this direction and from this direction so that you stand like Job and, and as one man is giving you a, a bad report, there's another one standing in line waiting for his turn. And when there's a satanic attack going on, the enemy wants you to feel overwhelmed. That's always an indicator that it's time to stop what you're doing, no matter how important it is, fall up on your face before God and begin to pray and talk to God and worship the Lord, maybe throw some fasting in and do some more praying and believing and listening for the voice of God. It's quiet in here. If I dropped a pin, you could hear it. When your mind is troubled, that's when he's coming. And that's when he compasses the city. Surrounded with horses and chariots. You surrounded by fears and worries. So surrounded that the servant cried out, Alas, my master, how shall we do? 
Another translation says, we are doomed, sir. What shall we do? Now, I got a feeling that there was one servant that was glad old Elisha happened to be in the house. You know, the old Elisha, he's a nuisance sometimes. He always has to say something that ticks you off. But this time the servant is saying, whew, I better go and tell the man of God what's going on here because I want to shake his hand and thank him for all the years of service. We're going to be dead. And he walks into the house and he says, oh, man of God, we're doomed. There's nothing we can do. He said, man of God, the king of Sunbright." blazing light, deception, has sent his army. And I'm telling you, O man of God, that our house is completely surrounded by his chariots. And all of a sudden, there is this number. I love the anointing of God. And you hear the man of God say, Fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. I never forget preaching a camp meeting in Nova Scotia. And the elder came, Sister Mona, and he had his face in his hands. He was weeping. He came to the Pope and he said, May I tell what I just saw? And I said, Yes, you may. He came, he's an old man of God. He's long dead now. He picked up the microphone and he said, I saw in the back of this tabernacle horses of fire and chariots of fire and the angels of the Lord were filling the back of this tabernacle as you were preaching, O man of God. And he said they were just waiting for the church to say, we release you now into the name, in the name of Jesus, we release you to go forth. And I'll never forget how the power of God fell in that tabernacle and people began to weep and pray and do a victory march around the building and people were healed and people were receiving the Holy Ghost. I want you to know that God still has his angel army and they are ready to fight for you. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, Open his eyes that he may see. Father, bow your heads with me, please. Father, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, there is a covering over somebody's eyes, and I pray that you take it off now. And let them see what you want them to see. Show it to them, O God, in vivid color. I would rather you did it now than later. Open the eyes of your people. Open your eyes. God, open their eyes, I pray. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. I close this unusual message knowing that I am delivering to you exactly what the Lord laid on my heart 
If it means something to you, wonderful. If it doesn't, God bless you anyhow. But I will walk out of this building today with my Bible, knowing that I have preached the good word of the Lord. Pastor Jimmy Russell was the pastor of the United Pentecostal Church in Madisonville, Kentucky, many years ago. Some of you remember me telling this story. But it was early one Sunday morning, Pastor Russell received an urgent phone call from a pastor's wife in another community, asking him to please come and pray for her husband, who was very, very sick. Brother Russell called his assistant pastor, explained that he was going several miles away to pray for this pastor, and he told him, I may be late or I may not even make it in time for service, and if I don't make it, you just go ahead and carry the service on and preach the gospel. So Brother Russell drove the back roads in this area of Kentucky to get where this country pastor lived, and it had been raining hard, and to his amazement, after going around quite a curve on one of those back roads, a river or a pond of some kind had flowed across the road and covered the road completely, so much so that it was too deep to drive across. So Brother Russell got out of his car and prayed. Father, I was trying to go pray for this pastor, but I, I won't be able to make it today unless you do something. I can't get across this expanse of water that has covered the road. And if you don't help me, I won't be able to go pray for him. It was at this time that Brother Russell saw a large farm tractor with a little man, a little short guy, and the tractor was on the other side of the washout. And the tractor started coming through on the road. Those big farm tires in the back. Full-size tractor. Little guy sitting on the seat. Picture it. He said that that tractor was completely covered by water. He could just see the man sitting on the seat. And a couple fenders. He said, I don't even know how it ran because it looked like it covered the exhaust pipe. He said, but that man came through the washout, drove his tractor up to where Brother Russell stood, and the little man looked down and he said, get on, preacher. See, some of you just, you just don't, you don't understand how involved God is. Brother Russell had never met this man before, but the little man knew him. He said, get on, preacher. Brother Russell said, I climbed up on the fender of that tractor. And that man turned that tractor around. He said, we went back through that washout. He said, once again, the water went over the top of everything except for the seat and the fenders. And I was sitting on the fender. It came out on the other side and the little man said, get off, preacher. 
He said, I didn't argue with him. I got down off the tractor. He said, I started walking down that road because this is the road that pastor lived on. He said, I came to another big curve in the road and to my amazement, he said, the road was once again washed out and there was another body of water going across the road. He said, but I saw a farm and there was some horses. This was many years ago. He said, I went up and I grabbed the halter of one of those horses and I started walking him toward the farmhouse and the farmer came out and said, what are you doing with my horse? He said, sir, I've been called to go pray for your neighbor that's on the other side of this washout. He said, he's very sick and I've been asked to pray for him. He said, just a minute, preacher. And the farmer saddles up the horse and says, you can use my horse to go across the washout. And he rode the horse across the washout onto the farmhouse, tied the horse up by the front door. When he knocked on the door, the pastor's wife was looking at him. And he said, I've come here to pray for your husband. Said, oh, thank you, thank you. And she led him into the house and led him back to the, the back bedroom. Brother Russell was walking through that house and there was a holy anger that began to come upon him. And when he walked into that bedroom, he said, well, I came to pray for you, but I'm not going to pray for you. He said, in the name of Jesus, get out of that bed. Instantly, that man was healed. I know it doesn't always make sense. I know it may not always be the courteous thing. I know you may not understand what the man of God is saying sometimes. I understand that. But when the man of God said, I came to pray for you, but I'm not going to pray. In the name of Jesus, get out of that bed. And whatever it was that had a hold of him, let go. And that pastor came out of that bed. He began to pray and talk in tongues and dance in the spirit, he was instantly and completely healed. I know this is different from our thinking of modern day where we question everything and we challenge everything. But that is not the way God works. When you begin to work in that arena, you're walking in the arena of the king of blazing light, of deception. Smith Wigglesworth was praying for some folks that had come forward in a healing line. And I'll come back to the tractor in a minute. And a lady came forth, and you can read this, it's a true story. She had something hanging from her neck. What do they call that? A goiter. And it was huge and ugly, and it was swinging from her neck, and it was awful. She came up to be prayed for. See, you folks, you're not always going to stand the way God works, okay? I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to understand it. You're going to have to trust the Lord. Smith Wigglesworth was supposed to pray for him, but instead he slapped the goiter. And she was a proper English woman, and she stood up, and she said, well, that's how it is. And she went, slap. She slapped him across the face. 
And she turned and she stormed out of that building. Just like you have before. And she went out and she went back to her flat and she went in her little apartment and she started to get ready for bed. She went in the bathroom. She looked in the mirror and the goiter was gone. She threw her clothes back on. She ran back to the church. She went up to the man of God and she said, Oh, man of God, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. And there are times when you're not going to understand. You're going to have to trust God and trust the people that God has placed in your life. It's not going to make any sense, but it'll sure save you a disaster. Now I'm back to the Brother Russell story. That pastor got out of his bed and he danced and he shouted and, and Brother Russell said, well, I got to get back to church. I'm a pastor. So he went out, untied the, the horse and jumped on board and rode across the washout, took the horse back to the farmer's house. The farmer said, Pastor, uh, how did it go? It went great. And thank you very much. The, pastor, the farmer said, I'll, I'll unsaddle the horse for you. I know you got something to do. So the pastor got off the horse and he began walking. Now he's walking toward this big curve in the road. And he said, I knew that when I got around that curve, there was going to be a big tractor and a little man waiting for me. We're not in this scene alone. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, I walked around the curve and there was the body of water across the road and there was a big tractor and a little man sitting on it. He said, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask him his name. But the closer I got to him, the more scared I got. And when I got up to where the big tractor was, the little man looked down and said, Get on, preacher. He said, I got up and took my seat on the fender. And the man began to drive that tractor across that washout. I feel the Holy Ghost. God is talking to somebody. I don't know what you're going to do. I can only bring you what God gives me. Whew. He said, we went across that washout and the tractor sunk into the depth. He said, the only thing sticking out of the water was the fender I was sitting on and the seat the little man was sitting on. He said, I didn't know how that thing kept running. Went right through the deepest part and came out on the other side. I was going to ask him something. I'm going to ask him his name, but I was too scared to ask him. He said, we got to the other side and the little man looked at me and he said, get off, preacher. So I just got down off the tractor. He said, I had to get back to church. So I started walking over my car. He thought, I'm going to sneak a look. So he turned around, he looked, and he said, the tractor 
was going back through the big washout. And when it got to the middle, I know some of you are going to think I lost my mind. But when I, he said, when that tractor got to the middle, both the tractor and the man disappeared. See, what you need to understand is God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You want to think that people that, that God used like that were back in the days of uh, Smith Wigglesworth or, or back in the days of, of uh, Brother Russell and, and God doesn't do those things. I got news for you. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his ministry continues on. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. It was a little country town in Pennsylvania. My boy Eric was just a small, small child, and the rest of them hadn't been born yet. We had a service, and it was a very unusual, and I won't go through it, but it was an unusual service, and it was a place that not many people were willing to go. It was at the end of, of the service, and a man walked in. I'd never seen him before. I never saw him again. But he walked into the service. He walked up to my wife, and he had a handful of cash, and she can tell you it's true. He placed that cash in her hand, and he said, this much is for you, this much is for your husband, this much is for your little boy, and this much is for those girls. He knew exactly how many was in the group. He turned on his heel, and he walked back out the door, and we never saw him again, and we never saw him before. But I can tell you that the hand of God has been gracious to me over the years and that there's this unorthodox angel that goes with me everywhere I go. And when I lift my sword, he lifts his sword. And when I shout, he shouts. And when I praise God, he praises God. And some of you have seen the angel of the Lord even in this building. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hearken to the word of the Lord. And I say this to you. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. That's all he gave me. I don't know any more than what I've just told you. I have shared with, with you what the Lord spoke to my heart. Now I place it in your hands. You can either take this word 
and let it guide and direct your steps, or you can ignore it and go on and do whatever you think you should because I have delivered my soul. Now, would you lift your voices in your hands, everybody that's in this place? Lift your voices in your hands. I, I feel an anointing of God in this place. I feel destiny in this house. I, I feel the presence of God in this place. And, and oh God, you know, you know, you know, you know where we are. You know what we need. You know every situation. You know what everybody here is going through. And you know where the enemy has set their traps. I pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, let me be sensitive to your voice. Lord, when you speak, I want to be the first to hear you. I want that still small voice to have a place in my life forever and always. And when you say no, I'm not going to say why. I'm going to say yes, sir. And when you say do this, I'm going to try to do it with all my heart. And when you say don't do that, I'm going to try not to do that with all of my heart. For one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and, and to inquire in his temple. I didn't get in this thing just to live for God for 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. I've joined up, Lord, in your army with the intention of being a lifer. I will live for you, Lord God, with your grace and goodness and mercy all the days of my life. You say, Pastor, why would you preach this? I don't get to choose what I'm going to preach. I just pray. And since the time I was a kid, when I was 16 years old, and I hope, closed the Bible and said, God, I don't have any sense. I don't know what to preach. Would you open the book? And God would open the book, and I would preach whatever was on that page. Silly, isn't it? But it worked. Now, would you bow your heads with me? I, he didn't tell me what to do next, so I'm just going to ask him, what shall we do now, Lord? I don't know what to do next, Father. Lord, I do sense your presence. I feel your anointing. I know that you're here in a very precious way. I know that your angels are with us in this building. I can feel the presence of the Lord and I feel the presence, Lord, of your angelic beings that are here with us today. I'm thankful for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. Now, Lord, what do we do now? We're here at this time at the end of the service, and, and you know who you're talking to. You know, Lord, who it is, whether they be in the building or online. or God, I don't know. It's up to you now. I've delivered my soul, Father. I am free from the blood of all these people, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't know why Brother Mahaney listened to the man of God, but he did. He went on to serve God to the day he died. He was greatly used of God. All I know is I, I want to live for you, Lord, all the days of my life. Praise God. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The ministry goes on. It will continue going on until the coming of the Lord. Be careful that you do not glorify the past and minimize the present. God, here I am today. Today, if you will hear his voice. Today, if you will hear his voice. Today. That's what the Bible says. I just ask you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. Is there anybody right now that just feels a burden to pray? I think there's a, a spirit of intercession that just came into this church. There's just a, a spirit of intercession just came into this building. I, I wonder is there anybody that would lock in on that right now and just begin to intercede? There, there needs to be some intercession. Here I am, God. Use me, Lord. Use me. I'm not just going to be a bystander and point out an accident. I'm going to prevent it if I can with the power of intercessory prayer. Hallelujah. Listen, listen. I have been on both sides of this thing. I have been where, like Paul who said, Sirs, you should have hearkened. But now because you didn't, the ship is gone. Your finances are destroyed. But if you listen to me now, not one of you will be lost. That, that's, that's a wonderful thing. I love that. But I have been so frustrated by that in the past that I've said, God, I'm so tired of standing there comforting somebody after they've already gone through the trauma. Please reveal to me before the trauma so we can save them from it. And that's what God is doing now. So much better. So much better. So much better. If you can't feel that, I don't know. If you can't feel the anointing going through this house. If I just chose a sermon today from a sermon book, then you wouldn't feel the anointing that you're feeling here right now. But God Almighty is speaking to somebody. Hearken to his voice. Hearken. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a presence of God that has filled every cubic inch of this room. God has spoken, and he will not retract what he has said. 
He is God. He knows what He's doing. He knows what's best for you. Now is there anybody who would say, here I am. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say and I'll go where you want me to go. Father, I commit my life into your capable hands. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Listen to me now. Listen to me. Is there anybody in this building that needs to rise wherever you may be? I'm not even asking you to come forward. You need to rise to your feet and say, I acknowledge that, God. You spoke to me. I acknowledge that God has spoken. It's up to you. I acknowledge it. I receive it. I receive your word in Jesus' name. I will not question you, Lord. I will trust you. I will trust you and believe you. I will do what you have called me to do. And I will say what you've called me to say. Here I am. 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 Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Now I know that immediately the king of sun, blazing light, and deception will say, <laughs> trying to scare you again. You listen to whatever voice you think is the right one. I can only tell you my, my hide has been saved many times because a preacher got up and preached to me like I just preached to you. I've seen the spirit where an angel of the Lord is recording your reaction today to the word of the Lord. It's been duly recorded. Yes, on February the 14th, 2021, I sent my word. This is the reaction that I got to this word and it's been recorded pastor this is so inconvenient I know
But if you've ever heard the word of God, you know when you feel the presence of God. And you know the anointing of God. And you know when God speaks. You know the difference. You know the difference between a sermon and a message from God. You know the difference. I'm going to invite anybody that would like to. You can socially distance and still come down and pray. Anybody that wants to respond, I'm going to let you respond.